Entertaining and informative. Curtis Lewa, Talk Radio 77 WABC. That's right. I'm back and I'm here. It seems in multiple um, time slots all throughout the weekend. Just to give you an idea, if you're following the life and times of Curtis Lewa, as you know, I recently lost the general election to become mayor of New York City to Eric Adams. And since was welcomed back by John Katsimatidis and Margot Katsimatidis, owner and operator of Red Apple Media. And it's a mainstay, WABC, that he described as representing Always Broadcasting Curtis. That's the acronym. And I guess if you've listened to me over the past 30 years, most of which I've spent at WABC, it has from time to time meant exactly that. And we're certainly going to start proving that over this weekend as we did the previous weekend. So to give you an idea, you get an opportunity to speak on whatever it is that's on your mind right out of the box at 800-848-9222, and I'll give you a dance card of how you can hear me over this weekend. That's 1-800-848-WABC. I'll be off the air today at 4, and then you get your New Jersey update. All the news you needed to know about New Jersey, the Soprano State. It's sort of neck and neck in New Jersey as to who's more corrupt, New York or New Jersey. Neck and neck. And actually, I like listening because I get to hear the politicians from New Jersey lie, lie, lie. It's kakiadowns. It doesn't matter if they're Democrats or Republicans. <laughs> I get to hear them and I have a good belly laugh. I'm sure many of you, especially in the high-tax state of New Jersey, some of you are planning to pack your bags and join the exodus south of the Mason-Dixon line of Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, Texas, Tennessee, and parts unknown as so many others in the northeast sector are for those very reasons. Here in New York, the exodus continues. Connecticut, the exodus continues. Parts of Pennsylvania, especially eastern Pennsylvania, the exodus continues. But let's get back on track here because... If you're keeping a scorecard of how you can listen to Curtis Lee, well, tomorrow, on Sunday, 3 to 5, it's the left versus the right, the, uh, what do they call him, aggressive, progressive, Chris Hahn. Yeah, he was aggressive making turkey the other day. What a Maytag. <laughs> what a Mama Luke. Uh, he couldn't even come into the studio to do the show. Uh, as we were substituting for Bernard McGurk, who is uh, celebrating with his family and friends in the Irish shops, and his partner, Sid Rosenberg, likewise, who is in the Jewish Himalayas uh, with family and friends. By the way, both those areas are right in Sullivan County, right in the Catskills, right up Route 19. So he had to stay at home. He had to prepare the bird and all the dressings and everything else that goes with it because his wife told him, you ain't going nowhere, pal. You're not coming into the city. And he had to put the apron on, put the doilies out. He was a real man's man, wasn't he, right? Auditioning for Chop or any of those other chef shows. And by the way, uh, I'll be able to tangle with him again. And that's the regular slot. Sundays from 3 to 5. And then I go out and do some guardian angel work because I'm back on track with all the patrols after the election. I haven't missed a beat. The mission continues. And then I join all of you from 9 to 1 with an eclectic uh, group of stories that we'll delve into that you might not hear from the rest of the lineup. And then, because Frank Morano has been blessed with a baby boy, 
He did no work. It was really his wife, Rachel, who did all the heavy lifting. All Frank did was donate into the Petri, di- uh, Petri dish early on in the process. That was it. Hasn't done anything since, other than do great talk radio overnights in the other side of midnight. He is member of the Varsity crew here at WABC. Uh, and, in fact, I think tonight, that's right, tonight, as it was last night, uh, you got to hear from the junior varsity member, my nemesis, Frankie Russo, who will not bow and buck and acknowledge the man I paved the way for him. I paved the way for him. He's lost his mind. But anyway, as my wife, Nancy, prefers his show to my show or any of the other shows on the lineup here at WABC, she goes, oh, he's very entertaining. And his callers are the best. You can catch him from one to five. But on Sunday night, I will be Frank Morano because supposedly he's taking care of the baby, New Carmine. That's the baby's name. 13 pounds delivered in Richmond County Hospital at 9-11. 9-11, I kid you not. Uh, that was the time. I mean, Rachel, his wife, couldn't wait a few minutes. But 9-11, 13 pounds in Richmond County Hospital. It took an OBGNY and a midwife. To deliver Carmine. And Frank Morano was spotted out early this morning as some of you were lining up for your Italian pastries on Forest Avenue, on Victory Boulevard, and especially Highland Boulevard, as you were lining up for your cannolis and through your dells. He was passing out the Italian crooked cigars, the Denobulas, busting his uh, chest out with pride. But he has no idea what he's in for, ladies and gentlemen. Life changes when that first child is delivered into the world. As so many of you men and women have known, you have to make drastic alterations in your lifestyle, as opposed to when you were single, footloose and fancy free, and then eventually you decided either to shack up together or eventually tie the knot, and you didn't have children or you didn't inherit children as stepchildren as a result of the marriage. But life will be a hell of a lot different for Frank Morano now that he has a brand new baby boy named Carmine. By the way, 13 pounds. Man, that kid's going to end up being a sumo wrestler. Uh, then before that, in fact, if any of you are capable of giving advice to Frankie, uh, please do it now because I, I don't want to dominate the discussion on giving him advice because I don't think he knows what he's uh, in for, nor what his wife, uh, Rachel, is in for, as life will change incredibly now that they have an additional family member, which makes three in the Murano household. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And that means that I will be doing also a Frank Murano show until he's able to get back at it. And so you're going to get a lot of Curtis Lewis-style theater of the mind because that's what Overnight is about. I was weaned on Overnight Radio. That's how I developed this pension, this desire to not only listen as much as I humanly can, but to spout out to all of you as much as I can humanly speak. Going back to the days of WMCA, the great Long John Nebel and Candy Jones, he had us convinced through theater of the mind that Candy Jones was a CIA agent, and we all believed it. And I'll never forget there was a time that he had a program on where an author had written a book how he had dug his way from Bayonne, New Jersey, right through the Earth's core to Peking, China. That's what we described uh, 
Peking as in Red China. Now it's called Beijing, huh? It's like Bombay and India is now Mubaya. To me, it's always Peking, not Beijing. And it's always Red China, not mainland China. But he described, his guests described, boring through the core of the earth, the hot molten lava, and coming out at the other end from Bayonne. And as crazy as it sounded, Long John Neville uh, chorused in and made it conceivable and believable. That's great theater of the mind. And then, of course, we had here the great Alan B. Combs. He was, he was actually best when he was doing overnights here at WABC. I'll never forget. He had on a show four women who claimed that they were servicing inmates who had committed sexual assaults, who were doing time in upstate New York at the various prisons, Auburn, Attica, Elmira. And the reason that they would sacrifice their bodies in that process, because they were entitled to conjugal visits, was to soothe the savage beast. So that upon release, because eventually these guys would be released, they might go back out roaming around and sexually harassing and sexually assaulting other women. Uh, He pulled it off. All four women were amazing thespians. I'll never forget the people calling up, screaming, hollering, yelling, Say how abominable that you could be doing this. And this was the result of the greatest trickster of all time. Ah, I forget his last name. Allen. He's out of Connecticut. He was great. Uh, He's the guy who at one time had a press conference at Grand Central in which a guy supposedly had donated his kidney for money because he was running on hard times. And everybody believed it, including the media. Uh, He did so many. In fact... Uh, I'll never forget, on the occasion uh, where there was the uh, beginning of a show coming in from uh, Chicago. Some of you may have remembered that. In fact, you'll be entitled to a booby prize, a Curtis Lieber booby prize. Don't ask, don't tell, because we throw nickels around like manhole covers. But if you can guess the name of the show, it was transported from Chi-Town. No, it wasn't Oprah Winfrey. Transported from Chi-Town and had its debut performance in Rockefeller Center. And if you know the name of the trickster who did this so many times, you are going to win a Curtis Sliwa booby prize. Don't ask, don't tell. Yeah, this is a form of jeopardy that has to do with TV, has to do with radio, has to sort of scratch your medulla and cerebellum. Now remember, there are two answers there. You can hit the daily double. Some of you degenerate gamblers say, oh, oh, man, you know, I love to play lotto. No, 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 no. This is the daily double Curtis Sliwa style. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And then, of course, there was uh, Art Bell, that loony kazuni from Parts Unknown, who dominated the overnight airwaves, doing his broadcast from Pahrump, Nevada, Miles away from Las Vegas, it was a one-traffic-light town. And he did his show from a double-wide-body trailer. Uh, Down the road, there was the Chicken Shack, I don't know, the Hawk Shack. Uh, That's where legal uh, uh, prostitution was legal. But that's all there was out in the middle of that desert. Miles away is where we buried our nuclear waste. Not only from Indian Point, it was open at that time, located at Buchanan in Westchester, right on the lip of the Hudson River in the shadow of what I will always call it, the Tappan Zee Bridge. No, not the Mario Faccia Bruta Cuomo Bridge, the Tappan Zee Bridge. 
And Art Bell did great theater of the mind. In fact, when I preceded him here at WABC and many of my stints, I would do exorcisms of his listeners because he was so brainwashed, so filled with that overnight trick knowledge, that theater of the mind, and actually would interfere with his broadcast by going out to Lodi, New Jersey, which is where our big stick is. And by the way, how many of you know where the stick where we broadcast from in Lodi, what is the infamous location right next to it where you can get a jiggle wiggle? Got to pay money, scatto, but you can get a jiggle wiggle. You see, I'm trying to sort of wake you up from the tryptophan effect that you went through when you had your turkey yesterday with all the uh, trappings. Or for some of you like me who feel like a capon, a castrated rooster, had capon instead. Or maybe you're vegetarian or vegan and you had another dish. Or maybe you were just out of sight, out of mind, and you had some form of medicine. It doesn't matter. If you had the turkey, you had the tryptophan, and you probably were snoring up, snoring it up all night long and missing Frankie Russo. Well, you don't miss it tonight. In fact, if you have to take Red Bull, you're not going to want to miss it from 1 to 5 because I'm sure he's going to be casting aspersions against me. But you know something? I'm like the big dog. Big dog here at WABC. Think of me as the German Shepherd and think of him as a little poodle. With lots of fleas, scratching, always wanting attention, and not realizing that hey, he's not the best. He's like the rest. one 800 Eight four eight nine two two two. That's one eight hundred eight four eight WABC. And right now, again, if you're along Highland Boulevard, picking up some last minute pastries because you have family and friends coming over for the long weekend, uh, look for the guy in the middle there, right, right, right there in the middle of Sea View and Highland Boulevard, puffing out his chest, Frank Morano, giving out those free Denobili cigars, the Italian crooked stinkers. And he's uh, feeling like a million bucks. Wait. Wait. This is your first time at fatherhood. <laughs> it doesn't get any better than this. The rest of it may well be downhill. Anyway, let's go to the phones. And Chris out in Beth Page. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Chris. Hey. Oh, boy. Harpo was going wild last night. He, you know, he never talks about having a girlfriend, Harpo, you know. I think he's like Ed Koch. He's an asexual or something. He's going crazy. He dedicates 90% of his show to you, which people who like you don't mind it at all. But he's nonsensical. He's like, I, I think if you took Harpo Frankie Russo's brain and put it in a bird's head, the bird would fly backwards. He, he's always talking about animals and stuff, and he mentions you all the time. He's now, like, you see, uh, once again... Steve from uh, Manhattan has gotten through. I didn't give him a chance to put his hashtag on, go Buchanan, go Buchanan, go Buchanan. But I'll take responsibility for this. I have a full board of calls. And who did I go to? A guy who pretends to be somebody else 98% of the time. Steve, feel free to call this show and identify yourself as who you are. You don't have to be a fake, phony, fraudulent, fugazi, hiding behind different names, altering your voice. You can be heard here. You're not going to be kicked out. You're not going to be persona non grata, but you're not going to be heard 52% of the time on a show that only goes two hours. So, uh, phone screener, clear the wax out of your ears. Decipher this guy. 
He's coming at you. He uses multiple phones, all kinds of technology uh, that will cause your brain cells to be uh, convoluted. And nail him. He had his one chance. That's it. No more in this next two hours. Anyway, let's go to Gary up in Inwood. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Gary. Curtis, a name from the past, I could be wrong, but that strikes me as far as a conservative talk show host was Alan Burke. No, you couldn't be more hopelessly wrong, Gary, from Inwood. I, I realize be the first time. Uh, that's true. I, uh, you know, I put out the trifecta, the trinity, the troika of choices. I was really scrambling eggs by asking so many Jeopardy-style Curtis Lee were radio questions. I do appreciate the fact that you threw out the name of Alan Burke. By the way, a little background on Alan Burke, because I used to watch his show Sunday nights on the old Metro Media Channel 5. You remember at 10 o'clock before their news, it's 10 o'clock. Do you know where your kid is or your wife or your husband? <laughs> they should have added that in also because there were no cell phones back then. I'm sure there were a lot of wives or husbands wondering, hey, it's 10 o'clock. How come they haven't gotten back yet? Well, maybe they had a home slice on the side at that time. But no, Alan Burke had a great show on television in which he was an adversary to whatever guest was invited, as were selected members of his audience and then after the 60s i think the next time he surfaced was like so many other new yorkers who had heeded the call of at that time uh the honeymooners you remember jackie gleason art carney the june taylor dancers who at the end of their variety show on saturday nights would say hey come on down to miami beach and boy my relatives did and so many of yours did and maybe even some of you listening did and Allen Berg ended up down, I guess, in the Miami area or southern Florida doing talk radio until uh, he passed to the hereafter. Once again, gave you an opportunity to score big time in the trifecta troika trinity of questions that I asked in my opening remarks that no doubt have so far strained your brain. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's one 800 848 WABC. He knows New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC. All right, I'm going to answer one of the three questions that I posed to you the show that had transplanted itself from Chi Town, Chicago. At the height of its uh, popularity, it aired on Channel 4 NBC in the afternoons. What's the Phil Donahue show? You remember Phil? Uh, very liberal, not progressive, but very liberal. And in one of his first shows here in Rockefeller Center, members of the audience started fainting, fainting all around. <laughs> he was actually running around catching them before they hit the, the floor with the pages in the audience. But who was the master blaster, the greatest trickster of all time who had prepared thespians, men and women? To pull those tricks in one of his first broadcasts from New York. See, we'll give you two bites at that New York City Curtis Lewa apple. Our number is 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Samantha calling from Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here, Samantha. Hi, Curtis. It's great to speak with you. Um, thank you for running on your platform of compassion and animal welfare. My husband and I are millennials. We voted for you. And we just want to know, when is your big announcement going to happen? Ah, see, you are very cogent. Samantha heard me tease 
that there may be a big announcement coming down the pipe from yours truly, Curtis Lee. Well, well, right now, it's Operation Hush Hush, Mush Mush. My lips are sealed on that. But, Samantha, let me ask you a question, you and your husband. Do you happen to be Democrats or Republicans? Uh, We're independents like you. Okay. As independents, this could have worked for you. Because I am a registered Republican now, but for most of my life I was a registered independent, which the Board of Elections, corrupt and inefficient as it is, would refer to us as blanks. So according to the Board of Elections, you, Samantha, your husband and I, for all those years I was an independent, eventually the uh, chairman of the New York State Reform Party for three years, are referred to as blanks, people of no consequence. And I was only a Republican for about a year when I determined I would make the run for mayor to save our city on the Republican line. But you will just have to wait, although it may be uh, a little while, Samantha, before I release to all of you the surprise of all surprises. Do you think you could sit on that, Samantha? Yeah, I think I can. Okay. I appreciate that. And thank you. Thank you for the congratulations. Thank you for the votes. But, Samantha, if you and your husband as independents would have voted two or three times for me, the machines would have counted it. That's right. The scanners would have counted it. I could have been the mayor-elect today and not Eric Adams if only you had taken advantage of your independent voting status, Samantha. Only. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's go to Gene in Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Gene. Curtis, welcome back, Curtis. Uh, it's a shame you lost. We needed you. But pertaining to who's it, Frankie uh, Morano having a baby? Yeah. The best thing, the best advice you can give him, let his wife take care of the baby because men are no good to handle babies. They are the nurtures. That's true, I, I must tell you. Although in some cases... Uh, I'll bet you somebody like Chris Hahn, who I'll be facing tomorrow, who was forced to stay home yesterday to make the turkey because he's a real Maytag to his wife, uh, is they probably do as good a job. Uh, but I will tell you this, knowing Frank Morano, uh, calamity Frank Morano, I don't think I'd want him anywhere around uh, Little Carmine, who, by the way, Gene, can you believe this? When he entered into the world of Richmond County Hospital, delivered by an OBGNY, assisted by a midwife, in a large tub, was 13 pounds on entry. I believe it. I've I seen a lot of those, but let the mother take care of it. There's nobody better than the mother. We are no use whatsoever. You got it, uh, James. Please tag that line. We're going to hold this for Frank Morano, uh, because naturally we will be giving constructive criticism to the uh, new father here at WABC. It, this is as good as it gets for Frank Morano, as many of you who are fathers know. This is as good as it gets. It's all downhill after this. Wait till the kid comes up to you like Anthony. My oldest son, uh, son, who just yesterday sat with me here as we prepare my first broadcast on a podcast here at WABC, in which it'll be father and son. He will be participating, even Stevens, with me. We went through it yesterday. We're going to be taping it, filming it next Friday. Then it will be available to all of you at WABCradio.com. But the guy pops the weasel on me because I want a brand new Dodge, Dodge Charger. I said, well, did you say challenge your son? No, no, I want a brand new Dodge Charger. Now, I am not um, an automobile aficionado because, as you know, I don't even have a driver's license. Although I will cop a plea to having um, hot-wired some cars in my lifetime, along with my Supreme Cuisine cousins in Canarsie taking it for a joyride. 
I will cop a plea to having a driven cars without a license, only a learner's permit at like 2, 3 in the morning, which you're not supposed to do, and a Olds 88, Rocket 88, where if you just press the gas pedal, you went from zero miles per hour to like 140 miles per hour. Boom. Right down Fountain Avenue in East New York. Yeah, where I was drag racing. Now, see, my mother never knew that because she was asleep and I snuck out the house. And back then, nobody thought about not leaving the keys around. So I took it out there to Fountain Avenue, Pennsylvania Avenue. All the other Supreme Cousins were there, you know, with their muscle cars. They were there with their GTOs. They were there with their Plymouth, uh, you know, their beep, beep, beep cars, their Furies all jacked up, and I was ready to go. Now, remember, all I had was a learner's permit. And any of you who ever took that run off of Linden Boulevard, straight down Fountain Avenue to the dump, know that it wasn't the best paved road in all of New York City back then. But luckily, I never blew out a tire, never dented the rim, never sort of blew out the gaskets. Uh, And when I would return the car the very next day, my mother had no idea. No idea what had transpired. I was very lucky, very fortunate in that way. In other ways, not so lucky, not so fortunate. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Carol calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here on the aftermath of Tom Turkey Day here at WABC, Carol. Hey there, Curtis. You know, um, I I think Frank is going to do okay. I really do because I think he's been preparing for fatherhood for a while now, so I think he's going to be okay. Um, you know, I wanted to say something. I'm a, I can't believe that I'm the only woman that calls the sports program. Uh, ESPN, FAN, no other women ever call. I can't believe that I'm the only woman that's interested in sports and knows about sports. I mean, it's a little bit scary when I think about it. Well, no, you're not, Carol. You'd be surprised at the number of women who do follow sports. Uh, I used to do a program here out of the many programs at WABC called the Curtis Lewis Super Sports Spectacular. Uh, it came and it went very quickly. I was actually uh, hired by Tim McCarthy, who used to be our general manager at WABC, then became the general manager at ESPN to do the Curtis Lewis Super Sports Spectacular Saturday mornings. Warner Wolf did the morning drive, and I did Yankees-Mets baseball because it was baseball season. Actually, I hate the Mets, love the Yankees. And because I was riffing on Bud Selig, you know, with that bad rug on his head, the polyester waffle weave, flame retardant, checkerboard pants, the high waters, you know, the dope that he was. Oh, I didn't know they were roided up. Just look at their bull necks and the acne on their back, idiot. Do you know, Carol, that Tim McCarthy came in one day, I was on a roll, and he said, Curtis, I got the call from Connecticut, and they told me, get that blankety-blank-blank guy off the airwaves after Warner Wolf, or you can go looking for a new job. How do you like that, Carol? That's terrible. And by the way, remember Bud Selig, who was the commissioner of baseball? The idiot that he was. Remember the bad rug on his head? You know, it was always like uh, part. It was like purple orange on his head. And then he'd have those high water, those high water pants, you know, because he had survived the floods of the Mississippi River and the Missouri River. I mean, the guy was just like a throwback to the 1930s. 
His mindset was there. I attacked him on what I thought was free speech radio at ESPN, and I got fired, Carol. Um. But I survived it. They took me back to WABC, although I was doing both simultaneously. I was doing WABC during the week. And Tim McCarthy, great guy from Pearl River, New Jersey, the Irish Riviera along the Hudson River, met his family there and his friends many times, uh, sucked it up, came in, said, i got to be honest with you, I got more kids on the way because I'm Irish, so you got to go, pal, because if you don't go, how am I going to feed my kids? Right. <laughs> yeah, he's a Catholic, a real Catholic. No idea about what birth control is. Yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> I come from a family like that, so I know. <laughs> yeah, 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 Carol. But I'm telling you, you'd be surprised the number of women who are actually sports aficionados. But because they are either married to a guy or they have a boyfriend, they don't want to usurp them and show that they know more about sports than their husband or their boyfriend. Right, right, right. You know, mm-hmm. they're always taking a back seat, which is so unfair. Now, I have listened to some of those uh, on WFAN who are the female broadcasters, you know, giving their points of view. Eh, some are okay. Some are meds and meds. Some try too hard. But that's because they've never been given an opportunity before. A guy gets on there. He starts talking about Because I listen to WFAN, too. You know, I believe in more talk radio because you never know when I'll be fired. That'll give me more options, including hopefully sports radio. But they start talking about concerts. What freaking concerts they went to at Madison Square Garden over the years. And I'm saying to myself, this is sports talk radio. It's not, it's not the old WNEW. What the hell are you guys doing? It's because they don't have enough sports to talk about. You got that, Carol? Yeah, when people call Richard Neer, they, they speak to him about uh, when he was on WNEW. Yeah, I, I want to hear that. Yeah. And I, then I think it was Richard Neer. I stand to be corrected. I'm listening in the morning. When I was living in Forest Hills, helping to raise my two youngest sons, Carter and Hunter, and their mother was away. She was campaigning, running for borough president. I was listening to the fan in the morning. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, I think it was Richard Neer. He's talking because, you know, he wants to get his spiel out. And you know who called up on the other line? On the other line, one of the greatest New York thespians of all time responsible for writing, for creating the play, and the movie, The Bronx Tale, and insisting that he star in it. Palminteri. He calls up, right? If I were a talk show host, hey, just keep talking, man. My ratings are going to go up. And he was arguing about the fact that, I think it was at that point, A-Royd, A-Rod should never be considered for the Hall of Fame. And Richard Neer, because he had a break, cut him off. How could you do that, Carol? It's it's Palminteri on the line, talking sports. Chaz Palminteri off. <laughs> well, anyway, listen, I, when I listen to WFAN, which I do from time to time because uh, I like to bone up on my sports, I don't want to hear no freaking guys or gals talking about what movies they went to, what theater. Oh, oh, I went to this movie. Oh, I went to the concert in 1972. Uh, you know, the Grateful Dead, and I was dropping acid. I don't need to know that. Talk sports. 
848-9222. Knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. You can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Wow. I got to retrain this audience now that I'm back after departing from WABC this uh, past March to run for mayor. Remember, I always used to school the callers. Never ask, how you doing? Because I'm just going to say I've had a better day. And you're eating up precious talk time. It's like a tick for so many. What do you think I'm going to say? Hey, how's your wife? How's your kids? What you have for Thanksgiving? You ain't getting that from me. And then the other thing. Oh, first time call, a long time listener. Hey, I don't want to hear that spiel. God, you're like a parrot repeating what so many other people have said. <laughs> and there are other rules and regulations. And by the way, I threw out three little tchotchkes, right? Three little small brain busters where you could have won, could have won a Curtis Lee with booby prize. Don't ask, don't tell. Because uh, I'm so cheap, I throw nickels around like manhole covers. But hey, it would have been worthy of an answer. Uh, we had one answer, a strikeout from up in Inwood. Nice try. But like nobody else tried. They gave three separate questions. Curtis Lee with Jeopardy questions. I don't know. I don't know. What, what's happened? The trip to fame kicked in. You're too stunned, God. You had a little bit too much gallo, vino, wine. Maybe you're doing puff, puff, pass, pass because you're a millennial and you're a hipster. You're hitting your bong. What would happen? Let's go to Jeff in Brooklyn. See what's on your mind, Jeff. Oh, listen, uh, I met you a couple of times at Brighton Beach and a couple other places, and I've told you, you know, you used to run with the Guardian Angels in the Bronx and everything, and I told you how much, and I never lived in the Bronx, but the the kids in the Bronx are much hipper than the kids in Brooklyn. I mean, uh, you know, the South Bronx is getting to be the hippest place now. You know, not yuppies, but like the Bronx Puerto Ricans, the way they, with that beautiful complexion and the way they dress and the, and the kind of words they use. And, um, oh, I'm so glad you're back on that, that Murano Mon and Frankie Russo used to speak good as a, the, a year ago at the beginning. He was so, when he was two hours and now he's got that, that Carol from New Jersey. Wow. Wow. Jeff, you are a real good listener. By the way, if you happen to be uh, in the South Bronx and you're a fashionista, I suggest when you look at the crime blotter of late, if you are a young one, you better be wearing a bulletproof body condom because the shots are flying fast and furiously. That's why the young men and young women in the South Bronx may have a little bit more fly to their step in style because they got to keep ducking the lead. Very good call it, Jeff. Very well used the term. Very waspy term. Cogent. Very cogent of Jeff. <laughs> oh, let's go to Joe in the Bronx. He claims that he has uh, an answer for one of my Curtis Lewa Jeopardy questions having to do with TV and radio. Go for yours, Joe. Alan Abel, the hoaxer. Jeff was living out of fantasy in the South Bronx there or something. He thinks Madonna was going to pick him up in a limo or something. There. That guy was living out of fantasy. Very good. Steve from Manhattan got it. Second time he got through. Uh, but it's okay. He came up with Alan Abel. And Alan Abel, let me just tell you, this guy was the creator of some of the greatest tricks and hoaxes of anybody's lifetime. He came out of Connecticut. He had a trained group of men and women 
who were thespians, and oftentimes when they were unemployed. Good to see that Broadway is back, but still there are a lot of thespians, a lot of people who work on Broadway, behind the scenes, on the stage, musicians, so many who feed the system in restaurants and bars. Good to see that that's starting to get active again. But think about for those two years how they were on the skids. And what Alan Abel would do is he would have this whole group that he would train as thespians, men and women. And they would literally come on to a TV show or they would stage a press conference or come on with Alan B. Combs, one of the greatest broadcasters of our lifetime. Unfortunately, he's no longer with us. God took him much too early in his life. And they would create these hoaxes, create theater of the mind. And they'd pull it off every time. Every time. So I learned from that. I actually used that when I would do exorcisms live on air before I would come on before Art Bell, the Looney Kazuni from Parts Unknown. People were already queued up. You know, they wanted to call to see if they could get into Art Bell's show from all over the nation. So I would take the calls on my show. I would say, you love Art Bell? Yeah. And then I would submit them to a exorcism to relieve them from the demonic spirits that in encase their mind, body, and soul. 1-800-848-9222. Coming up in the next hour, I have to address the attack on the Salvation Army. Uh, you know, there's this uh, idea out there that the Salvation Army, great organization that it's been for so many years, I think it was started in 1865 in uh, London, right at the end of our Civil War, I've always seen them in the best light, but apparently they had published an internal memo about wokeism, about how white people have to renounce the sins of the past, and the fact, uh, acknowledge that they have racism pumping through their veins and arteries. Got to tell you, I don't quite buy it. All I've seen is good from them. They have released a statement that suggests that that's not really fair or true. I stand with them against their critics and their enemies, of which there are many uh, within the Christian faith who never liked the Salvation Army to begin uh, begin with. I know in the Roman Catholic faith that I was uh, uh, raised in, they'd oftentimes say, hey, stay away from those guys in the uniforms. You know, they're not real Christians. <laughs> <You know? laughs> they're not real Christians. <laughs> That's what RC stands for, not Roman Catholic Real Christians. So that tells you a lot about how I was raised to deal with Protestants. I think the Salvation Army, based on my experience, they're more like Methodists, except they wear the military garb. It's like a paramilitary uh, group, the way they practice their religion. I don't think they believe in communion and baptism. I stand to be corrected on that. I'm just going on old brain cells. But there is an actual war against the Salvation Army that has just begun now. Right before the red kettle season, you know, when they're clicking and clacking uh, that bill and they're hoping they'll make a donation for all the great work that they do. We'll get into that in the next hour. And then also Hoko, oh, Hoko, hey, guess what? No elective surgery in New York because of the South African new strain, the variant from from uh, COVID-19. There's not even a case here in the United States yet. Not even a case here in New York State. And you're closing down, shutting down elective surgery? You think you're jumping the gun a little bit, Hochul? 
because you're desperate to win the Democratic nomination and go on, hopefully on your part, not my part, I'm going with the Republican, whichever the nominee is, whether it's the congressman from uh, uh, Long Island, Andrew Giuliani, who's been on this show, or Astorino, former Westchester County executive, all three are better than any of the Democrats running. But why would you eliminate elective surgery when it's not even a case of this new South African variant? Anywhere in New York State. The founder of the Guardian Angels. The group dedicated to fight crime. On the streets of New York and on the air right now. Curtis Lewa on 77 WABC. You know, normally that emergency alert system that you hear permeating, uh, not perforating. (laughs) Of course it doesn't perforate the airwaves. But it's heard from time to time uh, during the daytime, nighttime schedule here at WABC is an FCC requirement because we have the big stick in Lower I, New Jersey, the biggest stick of all that pumps out the 50,000 powerful watts of sound that can be heard overnight in 38 states and parts of Canada. And yes, down in the Bermuda Triangle, where many a ship has gone down to Davy Jones's locker while listening to our overnight broadcast here at Theater of the Mind. But In this case, the emergency alert system was triggered off because I find that so many of you are snoring. You're falling asleep, too much tryptophan, you know, with the turkey, too many yentas, uh, male and female sitting at the turkey, Tom Turkey table yesterday, that you're nodding off. Uh, So I asked our our, uh, program director, Matt, to trigger off the emergency alert system to wake all of you up, whereas normally... It's required by the FCC because, God forbid, there's an emergency in our region. Ours is the station, the go-to station, in which information would be pulsated out throughout our area on our big stick in Lodi. That's why our engineers, our crack engineering staff, by the way, you didn't answer the other question, which hangs out at a very infamous club just a few hundred feet away from our broadcast stick in Lodi, New Jersey. What is the name of that infamous jiggle wiggle joint? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to John in Bergen County, who probably does not live too far from that exact location. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Johnny. Could see it where I grew up, Curtis. The Bada Bing Satin Dolls. Yes, the Bada Bing Satin Dolls. Now, we have an engineering staff, mostly males, one new female who has come aboard. And I am telling you, I would bet half the time when they tell everybody here, hey, we got to run out to the tower to do maintenance, you know, it's required, that half the time they're at Satin Dolls, a.k.a. Bada Bing, famous because it was um, forever part of the Sopranos uh, HBO TV series. But, John, is that Jiggle Wiggle joint still open? Still open. They uh, had a tent outside. I don't know how they did it. Never been there myself. But they had a tent outside during COVID, oh, yeah. so they had them dancing outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, let, let, me, let me get open. this straight, John. You had to add that addendum. No, I've never been there. But I saw they had a big tent outside like the uh, Big Apple Cir- uh, Circus has over at Lincoln Center, right? Yeah, well, I was driving by every now and then. You know, I do. My mom still lives in the area, so I do have to drive by. That was a good excuse. I'm going to visit mommy, uh, wifey. In the meantime, you be there at the Jiggle Wiggle joint in Lodi. Right? Come on. Let me say this. Let me say this. I love listening to you when you're alone. 
And I can't stand when you got somebody else with you. You know, that's what uh, some of my ex-wives said. I can't stand when you have somebody else with you, and then all of a sudden, boom, there were divorce papers. Ah, John, John, you're slick. You're good, John. You know all about Staten Dolls, but you've never been in it. You knew it had a tent outside, a big tent, by the way, the same that the Big Apple uh, Circus has outside of Lincoln Center. Uh, in which the girls would be doing the jiggle wiggle out there. But John had no idea. He had window shades on his eyes, cotton balls in his ears, a zipper on his mouth. Because what was he going to tell his wife? You see, he had a convenient excuse. Got to go visit mom, who happens to live nearby. Same with our engineers. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Matt, you better put a GPS on them. Because you know how close Satin Dolls is to the tower in Lodi, New Jersey? The Bada Bing from The Sopranos, still active? You better put GPSs on them. I remember when I was at AM 970, the answer. They got the stick right out near the Hackensack River. And the engineer would be there, and the signal would fall down, which was like two watts to begin with. And the guy was doing his Facebook updates about what he had for breakfast at IHOPs in the morning. Could you believe that? The whole tower went down. And he had no idea. Oh, I was adjusting my Facebook to let everybody know what I have for breakfast at IHOPs. Anyway, let's go if we can to um, ah, a lot of calls here. A lot of calls. Tommy Boy in Brooklyn. This better be good, Tommy Boy. Curdy, it's Tommy Boy. He's the call B-A-R-B-L. Go, Kenny, go. Go, Kenny. Hey, three times he got through. Three times. Steve, uh, I- I'm talking to you, Steve. Because uh, yeah, no, no, no. He's part, of, he's part of the culture here at WABC. He's been on almost all 30 years that I've been here. And he's good. You know, he gets through. He uses all the modern-day technology, all the technological. Normally, this technology is when uh, stations, mostly FM stations, and by the way, you know what FM stands for? Freaking morons, feeble-minded, fornicating madly, free marijuana. That's what FM stations stand for, except AM is active-minded because it stimulates your medulla and cerebellum. you got to think. You have to paint pictures with words. But the reason that they have that technology available is whenever they have contests, and, you know, FM is famous for those contests, where they actually give away big booby prizes, unlike yours truly, Curtis Sliwa, who has the Curtis Sliwa booby prize, don't ask, don't tell, because I throw nickels around like manhole covers. (laughs) Just be thankful that you're not getting my belly button lint when you answer a correct question. But there are, I would call them semi-professional callers, who they wait to hear the contest, And then they'll call from like nine, ten different phones that are all coordinated into one line. They use different voices, different names, and they win constantly. Constantly. Anyway, let's go back to the phones. And it's Jim calling from, is that Washington, D.C. or the state of Washington, Jim? Washington, D.C., Curtis. Appreciate that. I, I've been to all three, Washington State, Washington, D.C., and the least known of the Washingtons, Washington, Pennsylvania, on your way from Pittsburgh down to West Virginia. Okay, I want to talk about this new uh, COVID, mutated COVID, COVID virus. South Africa. It, uh, it uh, yeah. apparently was, uh, uh, it fell on the radar screen of South African uh, medical uh, officials about three days ago. It would be the fourth wave that possibly might affect the entire globe. 
What do you want to say about that? Because it caused the yeah. stock market to almost crash yesterday, losing 900 points. Okay, look, uh, Biden uh, restricted travel to eight uh, countries down there in South Africa, including South Africa. That's racist, isn't it? Six, yeah, six of those nations sent diplomats to that U.N. climate conference in Glasgow, Scotland. Biden, Kerry, Blinken, all the U.S. delegation met with those people over there in Glasgow. Hmm. They come back. They come back to the U.S. and say, "Well, Glasgow's a great success." And a few days later, uh, they say, "Well, we've got to restrict travel to those countries down there from those diplomats that we met over in Glasgow." You know, it's interesting. South Africa did not send any dip- diplomats to Glasgow for the U.N. conference because of the virus, and they're claiming they only discovered that the mutated virus came out a few days ago. This is very uh, interesting. You know, just, Jim, Jim, uh, this is a kind of question that would be posed uh, overnight when we conduct theater of the mind because it, it's somewhat conspiratorial, but not completely. It's factual based with conspiratorial uh, theories. Uh, so, Jim, uh, what I'd like you to do is, if you can, Matt, if you could take Jim's number. When I'm substituting for Frank Morano, proud father of a new baby boy, all 13 pounds of him delivered into the world at Richmond County Hospital on Friday night at 9-11. Rachel, his wife, couldn't wait a few more minutes, 9-11, with both a midwife at hand on loan from Mount Laredo and an OBGNY from Richmond County Hospital. They They needed four hands to deliver. The kid was 13 pounds. But these are the kinds of subjects I'll be going into when I, I substitute for Frank Morano from 1 to 5 in the morning. Because it is the inner of the mind. He makes a lot of good points. And I think the origin of the virus, because I've spent a lot of time in South Africa, I have guardian angels in Cape Town, might be from nearby Botswana. Now, what do I base that on? Any, any data, any analytics, any scientific information? No, it's just a hunch that I have. Like a lot of degenerate gamblers who will bet on a horse or a football game or anything else, college games today, based on a hunch. Anyway, let's go to the phones uh, to Drew, who's calling from White Plains. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Drew. Yes, hello, Drew. Drew seems to be MIA, missing in action. Although apparently he wanted to comment on new Governor Hochul canceling elective surgeries, even though we don't have one case of the new South African strain of COVID-19 reported in New York. Not one case in America. And they're already moving in a direction of a lockdown. It's like, do you really think we could go through another lockdown? You really think with this fourth wave, whatever it turns out to be, that we're going to be able to survive another lockdown? And if you want to know about people who will resist, I guarantee you, if you move in this direction, Governor Hochul, because you just want to win a Democratic primary, you want to show that you're protecting us, like uh, the former Governor Andrew Evilice Cuomo, who couldn't protect the elderly in the long-term health care units, but promised all of us he'd take care of all of us, not it's all about politics you believe this we're dealing with a serious disease here i believe it because having spent time in south africa it is the one country you need to know that has eight million people infected with hiv the most in the entire world which which really lowers your immunity system so it's more likely 
that if you carry HIV because you have such a low immune system, you might catch this new variant, which is the South African version or the old variant or whatever. So, okay, I buy the science on all of that. And only 35% of the residents of South Africa are vaccinated. And remember, we all need to get vaccinated if at all possible, although I respect those who, because of religious concerns or medical reasons, cannot. And do understand why so many of you out there might not want to because you don't trust the government. Gee whiz, that's shocking. Give an example of what just happened. Some esteemed scientist uh, filed a Freedom of Information Act with the FDA and said, hey, why not release the studies that went into your certification of Pfizer? And uh, they thought for sure they would release them because this might assure and assuage some of you who will not get the vaccine that it's safe and secure. So what did the FDA turn around and do? It said, tough noogies, you'll get that information in 55 years, 55 years from now. So now, if you didn't trust the government, I certainly don't, or you're suspicious of government, as many people are, you would say, what do you mean you can't release your findings of the research into the Pfizer vaccine that you certified for use until 55 years from now? Huh. Inquiring minds want to know, isn't this America? Don't we pay the taxes that went into these FDA studies? Aren't we the persons who should know the findings before they just shared in a committee somewhere in the House or the Senate? Where they're sworn to an oath of omerta because they're not going to tell us because, God, Americans could never handle this information. They're too delicate. They're too stupid. Well, after listening to some of the callers uh, in this first hour, eh, it, might, it might be a little stupid, though. But we will move on. The founder of the Guardian Angels. The group dedicated to fight crime. On the streets of New York and on the air right now. Curtis Lewa on 77 WABC. Ah, so we're back at it to the 4 o'clock hour. And then you're going to get all the news you ever wanted to know about Jersey. The Soprano State competing neck and neck to be the most corrupt state with our own state here in New York. It's neck and neck. But it's a very good show. I love to hear the politicians, the Democrats, and the Republicans who are interviewed squirm and lie, as they always do, as politicians do. And how do I know that? Because remember, I was a politician for a while. When I kissed that first baby, shook that first hand, when I announced that I was running for mayor of the city of New York back in March, and then lost. To our mayor-elect, Eric Adams, and I give him all the support. He's going to need it from all of you out there, even if you didn't support him, because he's got quite a mess on his hands being left behind by comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope, who single-handedly has destroyed our city that we love here with a Miley Cyrus wrecking ball. Now, I noticed yesterday it did not get the attention that all the big corporations get. You know, the Amazons, the e-commerce is like uh, bustling, not just uh, Amazon, but other uh, ventures that use e-commerce. You try to get through the foyer of your building, there's like a collapse of all the packages. You know, it's like all of a sudden you go to enter the foyer, the lobby of your building, it's like timber! And then all the big businesses are reporting BAFO, BAFO proceeds, you know, all the chain stores, the franchises, except those that are being uh, uh, victims of a loot out. See, that's my term for looting, a loot out, not only in California, but now guess where? 
in Minneapolis, of course. It's going to spread all across the nation. And what did they hit in Minneapolis? Best Buy. Because what is the international headquarters of Best Buy? Minneapolis. So you know who's next? Target. Target. Their international headquarters is Minneapolis. And Pillsbury. What the hell are they going to get at Pillsbury? Flour? Although apparently a lot of food poisoning uh, over this Thanksgiving Day season is the result of tainted flour. Yeah, maybe that'll keep them from raiding Pillsbury. The Pillsbury Doughboy, who, by the way, is white. So that'll probably be a target. In downtown, if you've ever been in Minneapolis, where I've had Guardian Angels down, they had the big symbol of Pillsbury. They're going to say, why is the Pillsbury Doughboy white? Him and the Michelin Man, right? Exactly. That, need, that needs to change. And that leads us into my main story today about a great organization that is under attack, the Salvation Army. Uh, from what I recollect, the Salvation Army was started way back in 1865 at the end of our American Civil War, although it was in England. Booth and his wife in London. And they were there to do charitable work. Now, they were a Christian organization. I would equate them to, like, Methodists. You know, Methodists and Presbyterians. If you've ever been to their house on Thanksgiving, you maybe get one slice of turkey. You get the green mold jello. You get three asparagus tips uh, and maybe a little bit of spuds. And don't ask, don't ask for seconds. You know, it's the Presbyterian Methodist way. Anglican way, I'll call it. But anyway, uh, they have military rankings. Uh, It's a paramilitary group, although it's a very spiritual group. I don't believe, and I stand to be corrected, that they have baptism. Uh, I don't believe they have communion. But everything I've seen about them is they've done good work. And I think the Daily Call had released a memo, an internal memo, that went through the ranks of the uh, Salvation Army that has centers all over the world. I think they're like in 135 countries now. Look, I'm in 13 countries, 130 cities with the Guardian Angels, but 135 countries is no joke. That means you're in first world countries and mostly third world countries. And they do good work. But the Daily Mail released a memo that apparently was written in April that was an examination of white racism in the Salvation Army and that whites in the Salvation Army had to purge themselves of racist feelings and acknowledge that historically they've been racist. Now, it may have been an internal memo. There are internal memos that fly around here at WABC, fly around the Guardian Angels. It does not necessarily represent, as the liner says at the beginning of this show, the views of this talk show host are not necessarily host, not whole. The views of this talk show host are not necessarily the views of the management and the ownership of Red Apple Media, who provides you with the WABC programming. Okay, that's the addendum. So the views of whatever internal memo that was, purging yourself of white racism and acknowledging that as a Christian. And by the way, there are a lot of other Protestant groups, evangelicals, charismatics, who do not view the Salvation Army as a true Christian organization. They view them as heretics, as did the Roman Catholics for many years. How do I know? Because I am an AMP Catholic. Ashes on Wednesday, palms on Sunday, then you don't see me for a month at Sundays. I remember as a little boy, I was told, no, no, don't put any money in that red kettle. You know, you'll be feeding uh, the belly of the beast. You will be feeding Satan. Don't feed Satan. 
Don't ever put any money in that red kettle. Save it for the basket that gets passed around in the pew of a Roman Catholic ceremony on Sunday because first you have the general obligation, then you have the church obligation, then you have the archbishop's obligation, then you have the cardinal's obligation, and don't ever stand up and ask, where does all this money go? None of your BIB business, they would tell you. Just contribute. So they wanted you to just give all the money to the Catholic Church. But they are under really vicious attack now because this internal memo has been uh, published for the world to see. And it's shocking, if you believe that. And they've issued their own memo saying that that's, that's not at all true. Look, certain parts of it they defend, very small parts of it. But the majority of it, they say, that's not our view and never has been our view. And it's not what is being related to our membership or all those that we help through the Salvation Army all over the world. For those of you who are privy to this, whether you are Salvationists, that's what they call Salvation uh, Army uh, uh, followers, uh, please give us a call and help straighten us out because it's really causing hurt and damage to a vital organization that never really asked about your religious affiliation or if you were a heathen or if you were a Satan worshiper or you kissed rocks or you kissed frogs and that was your religious belief, but always just help the needy, the indigent, the poor, and the impoverished. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And it endangers the organization because after a two-year lockdown, the pandemic, which prevented a lot of people from normally shopping till they drop and feeding the red kettle, uh, they're back up and at them with their red kettles out there right after Thanksgiving with the ringing of the bell, the dancing, and all the uh, gyrations they do and try to, in order to try to get some coin to survive so they can keep doing their good work. So I'm talking with my wife Nancy this morning. I had no idea as our in-laws visited from Pennsylvania, uh, her mother, her father-in-law, that, in fact, Nancy, my wife, had gone to preschool at the age of three or four on Fresh Pond Road in Ridgewood, which is separating Brooklyn from Queens, uh, at what was a Salvation Army preschool. In fact, she said she saw her first bowling lane in the basement of the Salvation Army Center. And uh, she did painting there as a youngster. And they didn't try to recruit her. And it was right near where she lived at the time on Palmetto Street. Uh, She and her three other brothers, raised by their mother uh, at the time. Who Now, get this one. Her mother's name is Nancy. That's her real name. Nancy, my wife's real name, is Beth. But she calls herself Nancy. I'd love somebody to explain that to me. And then I still, at this point, after being married for six years to Nancy, don't even know how old she is. As we sat for brunch this morning before I came here to WABC. Brunch. They don't call it Bethes. You know, when you're on the Upper West Side, everything is brunch. It's interesting. People were coming up to me and saying to Nancy... Well, although her real name is Beth. Try to figure that out. What is it like to be the daughter of Curtis Leewood, a guy who just failed to be the mayor of New York City? He was the Upper West Side, a Democratic enclave. They had to stick the shiv in even more to let everybody know, I lost. I'm a loser. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. So my wife, Nancy, who was raised a Roman Catholic, but is about as Catholic as I am now, 
loved the Salvation Army, had a great experience. Then all of a sudden, her mother, who is the real Nancy in the family, not my wife Nancy, whose real name is Beth. I'm still trying to figure that out. Told me how when her grandmother and grandfather came from Austria-Hungary, they settled first in Jersey City. They, they spoke no English. And then they moved to Greenpoint. And unfortunately, her grandfather did what a lot of men in that era did. When they were wearing their Sunday best, because they only really had one good jacket, one good pair of pants, their Sunday best, they would carry around with them kerosene in their back pocket because if they got any stains on them, they would rub it out with kerosene before the stain would become permanent. And then, you know, that's it. They'd have no Sunday best suit. So apparently on one Sunday... He had something to eat. It got a stain on his uh, pants leg. He rubbed it with the kerosene in his back pocket. And everyone was a degenerate smoker years ago back then. They'd all be smoking these cheap cigarettes. And so about a half hour later, he takes out the stick match. He uses the kerosene canister in his back pocket and he swipes it, you know, so he can light up the match. And he catches fire on his pants and he's burnt to death. So now... My mother-in-law's grandfather is dead. Her mother has to now raise five kids on her own. She can't speak a word of English. So she's a cleaning lady taking any work she can. There was no welfare at that time. And the Salvation Army came to their rescue. I know they still have a location on Manhattan Avenue in Greenpoint, not far uh, from... uh, when Nancy's mom grew up on Norman Avenue off, uh, I think it was Leonard. And they offered them hot cocoa, meals on the weekend, furniture. Until one day, my uh, mother-in-law's older sister, Mary, was coming back from work. And she saw my mother-in-law with one of her sisters on the corner with the red kettle and the ringer trying to raise money for the Salvation Army. And Mary raised a Catholic. You can't do that. That's the devil's work. And they grabbed both of her sisters and took them home. But that was a great story about the Salvation Army. And I got another one. Another one to tell you. Anyway, let's go to Lisa who's calling from Carl Place. Uh, Welcome welcome, uh, to Tom Turkey. Post a uh, celebration here at WABC. Lisa? Hi, Curtis. I'm from Bridgewood. I lived off Fresh Pond, and I was a volunteer teacher in that preschool, that uh, the Salvation Army. And I'm raised Catholic, um, went to St. Matthias. And I have to say, I think they are the, one of the most wonderful groups that I have ever encountered. And my mother used to say, all the Catholics, the priests would say, you're not allowed to use birth control. But if you had a lot of kids... If you went to the Catholic Church, a lot of times they wouldn't help you. The Salvation Army would help you. And I can testament to that. Wow, wait a second, Lisa. They would distribute Jimmy Caps uh, to the families? No, no. But if you had a lot of kids and then you were broke, you know, the Catholic Church would at times turn you away. Ah, I. I, So the, the same situation that my mother in law went through where she and her four sisters were brought to the Salvation Army Center uh, in, uh, uh, in uh, Greenpoint, where they could get a cup of hot cocoa, they could get a meal on the weekend, furniture if they needed it. Mm-hmm, 
I'm just um, saying how I feel about that group, and I think they're a wonderful group, and I'm still a Catholic. Um, go to this church once in a while. Uh, my kids went to Catholic school, you know, um, but the Salvation Army is a wonderful group. They ask no questions. Now, Lisa, did they ever try to recruit you into their ranks? No, I was an aid teacher. My sister taught the preschool. She was a director. Um, and I, there's nothing wrong with ringing that bell. I never heard that story in my life that's satanic or anything like that. Uh, we always gave to the Red Kettle. Oh, no, that's great. But I was told as a youngster when I would first see the Salvation Army by my Aunt Mary, when she'd be down near Wooster Street, Wooster Street, uh, where you'd get deals. Yeah, all the Jewish merchants, you know, they'd be selling their wares because they understood it was either make or break time for the retail uh, establishment. Uh, she would say, no, no, can't put any money in that red kettle. You know, that's the kettle of Satan. Uh, they're not Roman Catholics. And by the way, remember back then, Catholics were suspicious of all Protestants, as most Protestants were suspicious of all Catholics. A much different era back in the 60s. Let's go from there to Dennis, who's calling from Connecticut. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Dennis. Uh, uh, Curtis, I'm a great admirer of you and uh, have not ever known you firsthand, but uh, was aware of you when I grew up, or rather after I grew up in New York City. Uh, and uh, I have high regard for you. You're a great person, and uh, I wish you so well. But I wanted to say, Salvation Army, to me, is just a great organization. I'm a Catholic, raised a Catholic. And, you know, I didn't hear any of that stuff about, uh, you know, passing the red kettle and it's uh, demonic. But I can tell you that my first job out of college with no one really wanted to hire me back in the early, actually the late 70s, uh, was the Salvation Army. And uh, I saw firsthand what they do down on the Bowery Mission and what they do uh, throughout the boroughs and how, how wonderful the Salvation Army ministers and soldiers are. It's just a great organization, and uh, I'll be forever grateful to them, to the Salvation Army. And, uh, you know, I used to work on 23rd Street there and 14th Street where the headquarters were. But it, it enabled me to get a start in life. And it really, uh, I hold it within me to this day. Yeah, no, no. Uh, Dennis, uh, I, uh, my family, immediate family, extended family, has had nothing but great experiences with the Salvation Army. Uh, I'll be talking about how it benefited my father, a merchant seaman, who oftentimes was laid up in port. And the only thing that kept uh, him and his mates from being sent to the local pea patch to pick peas at the county farm by the local sheriffs because they had no money when they were laid up was the Salvation Army. But also we'll be joined by my wife. I'm not quite sure what her name is. Is it Nancy or Beth? We may finally pin this all down on post-time turkey day. So if you're still suffering from the effects of uh, tryptophan, wake up! York's talk station with the king of New York, Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. We're back on track here, hopefully, or shaking off the effects of tryptophan. Or some of you guys out there feeling like a capon, a castrated uh, rooster. This post-Thanksgiving Saturday, on the line right now is my wife. I'm still not sure what her real name is. Is it Nancy or is it Beth? Uh, Can you straighten me out on that? Okay, yes, this is your wife, Nancy. Yes, that is my name. Okay, so my mother's name is Nancy, 
And my name is Nancy. My middle name is Beth. So that's why my family um, got into the uh, convention of calling me Beth. But uh, to the Salvation Army uh, story, when I first uh, went there at uh, preschool and nursery school, three or four, they actually had to bring to my parents' attention that they thought I might be a little bit of a slow learner because I didn't respond to my name. Because when they called me Nancy, I didn't respond because I knew myself as Beth. So <laughs> just to clarify, my name is Nancy. <laughs> <laughs> so they were uh, immediately concerned about you. They didn't have testing back then like they do nowadays for three-year-olds to see if they're a little slower or they have some yeah, learning I, I mean, And now you know why I don't tell you my age because Lord knows what you'll tell people it is. <laughs> so I can't take any chances you'll get it wrong. But see, you are acknowledging to all of our listeners... Yeah. That after all the time I've been with you, the six years we've been married, yeah. that I still don't know how old you are. Well, that's true. I mean, when we first met, you never asked, and I didn't see any reason to to mention it if you weren't asking. I mean, I, I, it strikes me as one of those questions, like, you generally don't ask a woman her age, her weight, so you didn't ask, and so I had no reason to tell you. Oh, don't ask, don't tell, huh? That's how I feel. Interesting, though, you have a smile on your face every time strangers come up when we're in each other's company, and they ask you, what is it like to be the daughter of Curtis Sliwa? Oh, yeah, that's great. I mean, I used to want to have a little fun with that, but, yeah, I, um, it, I mean, it is, it is kind of humorous, but sometimes I just try to go with it and, I don't know, just enjoy the moment. Now, you had a great experience with the Salvation Army uh, right in Ridgewood. You lived on Palmetto Street at the time. Uh, at the preschool center that was run by the Salvation Army. Correct. Your mother uh, earlier today at brunch <laughs> in the Upper West Side, they can never call it Bethfest. It's always brunch. As okay. people were sticking a shiv in me as they were passing, but, oh, you lost, huh, Curtis? Huh? You lost, huh? Uh, but a, a bit melodramatic, but okay. Right, but your mother was telling a great story of how the Salvation right. Army came to the aid and rescue of her mother and her four sisters who were fatherless because their father had set himself afire with kerosene while trying to get rid of a stain on his Sunday best. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, and as my mom was talking uh, even further about that, too, but, um, you know, I think it was just a different time then that people were very hesitant about accepting handouts even when they most needed it. So to have an organization like that that really stepped in and, you know, it didn't feel like you were going on government assistance. It's more just, you know, uh, people helping each other when they're down and out. I think um, that really helps keep people's spirits up and, you know, you know, they don't have to feel dependent on government. I think that's important, too. Well, I can assure our listeners uh, I'm not a cradle snatcher. You're somewhere in the <laughs> hipster millennial age, I assume. Uh, <laughs> But let me ask you this, because you're more privy to things that explode on the Internet. These uh, damaging reports about the Salvation Army, that all of a sudden uh, they're self-hating whites, meaning that they're professing that whites within their ranks have to renounce themselves uh, as sinners because they've been racist, and that they got to preach a different dogma. Uh, how damaging is that to your generation who really hasn't had the same experiences uh, with the Salvation Army as so many others who are older than you? Well, I mean, I think, uh, you know, anytime you read something online, you do take it with a grain of salt. Um, obviously, uh, to your point, uh, without having a lot of direct experience, I think most people only know them as the individuals who are ringing the bells during the holiday time. So 
uh, that lack of information, you know, it's it's problematic. But you know, that's why it's it's so good that you're discussing it because it you know people call in and they can bring to the forefront their experiences, uh, like the the uh, educator who just called in previously. I mean, people who have direct experiences, you give them an opportunity to express that, and then it sort of counterbalances anything. I think. Well, I appreciate that. My wife, Nancy Beth, whatever your real Nancy name Beth, is. Yes. <laughs> I will see you later on. Our numbers okay. are 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC as we're speaking about a report that came out in the Daily Call about how the Salvation Army had been passing through its ranks all over the world. They're in like 135 cities. They have so many Salvation Army centers. You probably know them for their thrift shops. I know them for all the good work they've done, in which they're talking about how their white members have to renounce the fact that uh, whites have been racist before and are racist now and that that should spread to the general population. They've issued a, a, a statement that says that's not at all true, but a lot of damage has been done. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC as they begin their annual Red Kettle Drive, which is the monies that they subsidize a lot of their outreach uh, to help people who are poor or indigent or without means. As you see the guys and gals with the red belts, whether they're members wearing the uh, paramilitary uniform that they're most identifiable with or they're hired helpers or volunteer helpers. Our number is one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Now, in my own immediate family, my father Chester, no longer here with us, was a merchant seaman for fifty five years, and he told me a story that oftentimes after World War II, after he served, while sailing then as a merchant seaman, they would come into port. There was a lot of uh, labor unrest. A lot of times, either the owner operators of the ship lines would tie up the ships. Or the unions would pull uh, an overnight strike. Or they had radicals at that time who were like um, the equivalent of Antifa, uh, who would call a strike because they didn't like the color of the mugs uh, that were being provided to drink the coffee, the, the uh, watered-down coffee, uh, by the owners and operators of the ships. And so you'd be stuck on shore. Remember, this is an age in which there are no cell phones. You'd be lucky uh, if you could call a home. Not everybody had a phone at home. You'd have to call the local grocery store, which had the phone. It was sort of like the community phone. And so one time, his ship pulled into the Port of Orleans, and there was an overnight strike, and the guys were laid up and sleeping on the shore. They had no means of survival. The local county sheriff in Orleans Parish would roll around their deputies, and if you didn't have $2 on you, you were... You were arrested for loitering. You'd go before the parish judge, and generally they would assign you 60 days into the county farm, and you'd have to pick the peas out of the pea patch. <laughs> there, were, there was no alternative. And he will never forget every morning as they were sleeping out on shore in the Port of Orleans, New Orleans, that the Salvation Army would come around and make sure that each of the men had at least $2 on them in an envelope so that when the sheriff or the sheriff's deputies came around to check on them, looking to lock them up for loitering, they could show the $2, and they would avoid uh, incarceration and eventually being sent by a hang-em-loose judge down south to pick and peas in a pea patch in a county farm for 60 days. 
Let's go to Ann, who's calling from Staten Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Ann. Hi, Curtis. You know, this brought back so many memories, many, many moons ago when I was young. I was dating a young man who had been in Vietnam, and he was raised by his grandparents. And his grandmom died, and he was overseas. Nobody would help him. Not the Red Cross, no organization. The only organization that would help him get back home so he could attend the funeral was the Salvation Army. I have never, ever forgotten that. When I see them at Christmas ringing their bells, they could be there anytime. I will always make a donation. And that was so heartfelt. And I know that many of our... Our listeners out there, wherever they are, have had similar experience, the generosity, the selfless service provided by the Salvation Army uh, to people in times of need. They never ask what your religious affiliation is. You could be uh, you could be an atheist. You could be a tree hugger. It doesn't matter to them. And now they are under attack, and so uh, you got to spread the word. Uh, for those of you who are adept at working the internet, you gotta you gotta publish these statements and counteract the negative response. Because there are some who've always had it in for the Salvation Army. I told you I grew up in the Roman Catholic Church in the '60s, and they said, "Do, do not put money in that red kettle." It was feeding. Uh, the belly of the beast. Uh, it was satanic. Well, the Catholics were under attack from Protestants. Protestants were under attack from Catholics. All of them trying to, to basically say, no, no, we're the real Christians. But they all demonized the Salvation Army, both the Roman Catholics and many of the Protestants. Uh, so thank you. Thank you for that. Anyway, let's go, if we can, to Patricia, who's calling from uh, Maybrook. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Patricia. I want to compliment you on you. Yes, the Salvation Army did come from the Methodist Church, and um, I'm an adherent in the Salvation Army, which is not a full membership. I had already attended a Bible college before I went there, but it was with the Church of God Holiness, and we are alike in our doctrines. Uh, True, the Salvation Army does not make a practice of pushing communion, or uh, the other that you named. Baptism. Yes, baptism, because too many people put their confidence in the acts of that rather than in Jesus. And But they do not deny it to a person that would like to request it. Right, and And, uh, what do you find, after all these years, Patricia, having to fight for legitimacy because you were under attack by other Christian organizations to finally be universally accepted. And then uh, these reports on the Internet can do so much damage and take the church, the uh, the movement uh, of the Salvation Army backwards instead of forwards. That, that's true. But people being what they are, they believe what they hear or read. And they don't bother to investigate to go to the facts. And no matter what you may tell them, you know, they have their minds made up if enough people say it. You know, repeat a lie often enough and people will believe it. Well, that's why, uh, Patricia, I appreciate you coming to the phones and speaking of your personal experience with the Salvation Army as they're under attack unfairly. Uh, let's go, if we can, to Arlene, calling from Wappinger's Falls. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Arlene. Hi, Curtis. Uh, first of all, I want to say God bless you for everything that uh, you and your organization do. Um, but I just want to say that I'm 70 years old, and I was 
uh, raised by foster parents, but whenever I was with my biological mother during the winter and we uh, go out on the avenue, uh, she always made it a point to put something in the red kettle. Um, you know, the more money she had, the more she would put in. If it was a bad year, she just put in, you know, a few cents if that's all she could. Uh, but they do absolutely wonderful things, and it just burns me up that when they uh, report to a fire or a scene of uh, some kind of catastrophe, the one who gets all the credit for everything is the Red Cross. <laughs> Salvation Army never gets mentioned for all the good they do. That's and, true. Um, that, yeah, you're absolutely yeah. true. And uh, I must tell you, I've seen them at a, many an emergency location. They're very humble. They're there to serve everyone. In fact, uh, one year I was the keynote speaker at their annual luncheon in uh, New York City and told the story of how they came to the aid of my father and other merchant seamen uh, when they were on shore because there had been uh, the ship was either in layup uh, overnight or there was a strike and they could have easily have been arrested for loitering because seamen were looked upon as being the worst of society, that they were disease carriers, they were corrupt. They were murderers who probably had escaped from prison and went out to sea to avoid being scrutinized. The very worst cast uh, of aspersions against them. And they came to his aid by giving him $2 and an envelope every day with the other seamen so they could avoid being arrested for loitering and then have to pick uh, peas in the county pea patch for uh, months. Anyway, let's go to Andrew, who's calling from Suffolk County. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Andrew. Curtis, I, I just want to be informed better because I'm miffed. Is this, is, is this story true? Can you say whether it's true or not? And if it is, why would the Salvation Army do that? Why, why would they sound like that? Why would they sound so woke? Well, look, I think, Andrew, they, they probably have some younger members who have been influenced by a new generation uh, that oftentimes believe these things. It's part of a generational tide. It's not necessarily a reflection of the Salvation Army's overall attitude. Uh, so I think the initial reports that came from the Daily Call may, in fact, not be true. Uh, the Salvation Army has said they're not true. I give them the benefit of the doubt because of all the great work that they've done through all the years. But I, I can understand how maybe some new members feel that way and express themselves in a memo. It doesn't mean that that's, that's the, move, the, the direction that the Salvation Army is moving in. Let's go to Howard, who's calling from Purchase. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Howard. Hi. Thank you for your work. Uh, many years ago, I met you at Cipriani. had this with you and gave a little gift to Anthony when he was born. Anyway, my my grandparents came in on the, I believe it was the Lusitania 11-11-11. They were Jewish from Russia and Germany. And my grandmother always told me the only organization that helped her was the Salvation Army. Blankets, coffee, anything they needed. So to this day, I donate generously to the Salvation Army. Thank you very much. Thank you, Howard. To Frank and Syosset we go. Your turn to be heard here on the post-Thanksgiving Day extravaganza here on WABC, Frank. How are you doing, Curtis? Thank you very much. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Uh, let me tell you about the, the Salvation Army. 31 years ago, I got sober in Alcoholics Anonymous, and they have a terrific AA program that they 
bring us in there and we were able to speak to the to the drunks and the drug addicts and the homeless that have wrecked their lives over the years and they do a fantastic job over there. But the one thing that I wanted to bring up was all this stuff that's going on with Biden and bringing in the illegals to Syosset and to the school districts all over the country are done by Catholic charities. So maybe people are getting the two mixed up. And they no, don't no, understand. I'll tell you, uh, Roman Catholics have benefited from illegal aliens. Uh, many of the churches on Sundays would be absolutely empty because a lot of Catholics just don't go to service any longer. They're like me, AMP Catholics. A- ashes on Wednesday, palms on Sunday, then you don't see us for a month of Sundays. The people who fill up the pews in the Catholic churches are the illegal aliens because they're highly religious, highly Catholic, and they donate whatever they have. It's not much, but when they, when they push that wicker basket through there, maybe pennies to the dollars that you gave – uh, when you were bringing your kids to the, the Catholic parish near you, but it's still money to sustain the work of the Roman Catholic Church. The Roman Catholic Church has always been pro-illegal alien immigration, have always been pro, because who are most of the illegal aliens? The, uh, they're Catholics, especially when they come from south of the border, Mexico, El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras. They're Catholics, Dominican Republic. They're Catholics. One knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Ah, let's talk about President Joe Biden, and we'll call it the freak out and then the loot out. Give you some updates before the 4 o'clock hour. Well, President Joe Biden has now said that they will be reintroducing the policy under former President Donald Trump that if you were trying to secure passage across the border illegally, you would be detained on the other side of the Mexican border and have to await an appearance where you could discuss why you are declaring asylum. He did say, though, <laughs> for the first time, that if you're caught crossing the border... They'll tell you if you if you are even to be considered for asylum while you wait in Mexico, it could be a month of Sundays, you got to take a COVID-19 shot. you got to take at least one shot. Now, I wonder which pharmaceutical company is going to benefit from that. Will Pfizer get the contract, Moderna, or Johnson & Johnson? So that's number one. That gives you an update on the uh, President Joe Biden front. Uh, let's talk about fear, fright, hysteria, and hype. Governor Hochul, who wants to become the next governor through election here in New York State over my dead body, has capitulated and has used uh, political rationale to determine uh, what is the lead story in today, which is that she is declaring that elective surgery starting December 3rd cannot be done in hospitals throughout New York State. We do not have one case of the South African variant of COVID-19 in New York State. We do not have one case in the United States. But she is canceling elective surgery in all hospitals as of December 3rd. Where is the analytics? Where is the science? Or is this just the political motivation of showing she's the boss? She now wears the pants in New York State. It's not... 
the fake, phony, fraudulent, fugazi, former governor, Andrew Evilized Cuomo. I always warned you about that, listeners, when some of you were deifying him. Some of you were putting him on a pedestal. Some of you were saying, hey, forget Joe Biden. He should be the president. Who was always on the jockstrap of Andrew Evilized Cuomo going way, way back? Yours truly. So I am going to take this opportunity to say, I told you so. I told you so. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But now let's talk about the loot out. I'm going to use that term because that's what I've always used, the loot out. Because there are some out there uh, who are claiming that if you describe the events that are taking place in California, and now, of course, Minneapolis, and there will be other cities where these loot outs will be coming to. That it's really organized robbery teams. So you can't call it looting. And more importantly, if you use the term looting, it's racist because it implies that it's people of color, black and Hispanic doing it. Well, guess what? Uh, the images don't lie. It looks like it's predominantly black and Hispanic to me, at least from the video uh, pictures that we've uh, we've at least had uh, available to us from Northern California and Southern California and now from outside of Minneapolis, the latest place to be hit by a loot out is uh, Best Buy. Best Buy, which is headquartered, international headquarters, guess where? In Minneapolis. So I'm telling you, Target, that's your international headquarters target. Expect to be the victims of a loot out there, but not Pillsbury. Not Pillsbury, the Doughboy, downtown Minneapolis. Have you ever been there? They get the big statue in tribute to Pillsbury. There are a lot of multinational companies that are actually housed in Minneapolis. But I do, uh, I do uh, expect to see quite a few loot outs there. And the whole idea of a loot out, it's not to make a political statement because they're looking for high-end items, uh, limited edition. The whole idea of a loot out is to put it out out there online for purchase. They have a, a site that's called Just Looted, uh, Let It Go. Obviously, the old tried and true Craigslist, Facebook's Marketplace, and eBay. They steal it, they throw it up there, and they practice capitalism but of the corrupt nature. It's all about the dollars. Cash money rules the world. That's what's motivating these folks to do it. I know it's one 800 Let's go to John, who's calling from Staten Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Johnny? Hey there, Curtis. It's a little scary thing about Kathy Holcomb. You know, she uh, went to a church, and then she goes, uh, what is it? Oh, yeah, I wear a Vax uh, medallion. So she doesn't wear a cross anymore while she's talking to the church, and then she has for uh, her congregation, everybody there to be apostles. Jesus had apostles. Does the Antichrist have apostles? Scary, isn't it? No, because this is so typical of politicians, uh, both Republicans and Democrats, John. Uh, they all of a sudden wave the banner of faith and claim that, you know, that they're on some kind of a religious pilgrimage in the case of issuing vaccines. Uh, I'm surprised she didn't say, what would Jesus do? Would Jesus have taken the vaccine? Would he have made his, what is it, 12, 11, or 13 apostles take the vaccine? I'm getting a little forgetful here of my uh, religious dogma. How many apostles were there? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. 
Let's go to Florence, calling from Franklin Lakes, home of the Rock-Ribbed All-American Conservative. No, that's not Franklin Lakes. I'm sorry. I've got it wrong there. Uh, go for it, Florence. Hi. I just wanted to let you know why they're, they're canceling this, this um, surgeries. The, because I heard on your radio station today, this morning, that there are not enough nurses, really, a lot, because they're mandated to take the shots. And a lot of them were going to retire. They retired a little bit early, and they just don't have the nurses. That's why they're doing it. Well, no, that's true also. Thank you for that addendum. In fact, Florence, it's interesting that every year there is a a wave of flu, and some of the health care providers, including nurses, will not take the uh, whatever virus, uh, uh, whatever flu vaccine is available that year. Instead, they're forced to wear masks when they're on duty at all points when they're in a hospital or a health care facility or they're going from house to house. This is the first time where they've been told they have to be vaccinated. And obviously, they're going to have to get boosters. And uh, we've had nurse shortages before. This just compounds that. So uh, thank you for that, because you are absolutely jackedly squat correct on that addition, Florence. And you know what? It's only the beginning, Curtis, because over hundreds, over 100,000 military men don't want to take the shots and the boosters. It's only the beginning. It's only the beginning of what they're doing to our country. Well, remember, they use a divining rod here to determine who has to be vaccinated and who doesn't. Uh, Let's say you deliver the mail, Florence. They say you don't have to be vaccinated. So whether you're delivering through rain, sleet, snow, whatever kind of bad weather, if you happen to work for the U.S. Postal Service, you don't have to be vaccinated. But all federal workers do. I'm trying to figure that out. Have you been able to figure that out, Florence? I didn't hear. I'm sorry. No, You don't have to take the shot if you're illegal. They let you in with it, and they let you on the bus and the plane with the virus. Well, that's that's true, uh, including those that were fleeing Afghanistan who were permitted to come in. But apparently, uh, President Joe Biden will now revert to the old uh, President Trump edict, which is if you're seeking sanctuary, if you're seeking to come across the border from Mexico to America, you will have to go back to Mexico and wait in an encampment until your asylum hearing is conducted. You will not be able to come over to the United States. But if you ever, ever in your life think you're going to get an asylum hearing, you will first have to get the COVID-19 shot administered to you upon you being either stopped at the border before crossing or when you're captured in the United States. Isn't that so nice of Joe Biden to do that? Make so much common sense. You let in Afghans, you let in others across the borders, you don't insist that they be vaccinated. But people who have worked their whole life, who worked during the lockdown and pandemic, put their lives on the line, called into the belly of the beast, the ICU, the ERs, all the healthcare workers, that every night we would uh, come to the outdoor area and applaud them as we should have, the cops, The firefighters, the EMTs, all the essential workers, sanitation guys and gals, MTA workers. In fact, they lost the most that we would applaud them and rightfully so. And then all of a sudden we say, well, if you don't take the vaccine, you go from heroes to zeros. You're fired. 
Uh, you can't get any other work. You can't file for unemployment. Tough noogies. And in fact, now Governor Hochul is being told by the outgoing umiserable disgrazia Mayor de Blasio, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope, that she should insist that all MTA workers get vaccinated. Now they either get vaccinated under state order because it's a state agency, the MTA money-taking agency, or they get tested once a week. We don't have enough MTA workers. So now we're going to force the issue with them. How does this make any sense? How does this make any sense? Anyway, let's go to John in Lodi, New Jersey, where the Tower of Power, the 50,000 powerful watts of WABC are belted out. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Johnny. Hey, Curtis. Yeah, I uh, called earlier about the um, – it's, it, it's all about politics. All about politics with the vaccinations, with this new variant coming out of South Africa. It's all about politics. They're going to – that's just your way of getting to the 22 and the 24 elections, if you ask me. Well, in fact, uh, there's a part of that. They're pounding the drum. And they're basically saying to all of you, if you're not vaccinated, you're the reason. You're the reason that we're stuck in the situation that we are. Is that true? From either those who are vaccinated out there or those who can't be for medical reasons, religious reasons, or you just don't trust the government. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Curtis Lewa, Talk Radio 77 WABC. Anyway, let's go to the phones. Your turn to be heard, Jim. Uh, welcome to WABC. Hey, Curtis. Great to hear you back on the air. I met you a few times. I met you one time in the Sheraton at Christmas time. You were lurking around the hallway looking for, for deviants. <laughs> anyway, as far as the satin dolls, I've been in satin dolls many a time in my 20s. I grew up in Jersey. Actually, Woodbridge, the home in the Rio where Bob Grant used to go all the time. And I've been listening to you since you were back on the air with your ex-wife, Lisa. That's right. The great Rio diner there in Woodbridge. Uh, the greatest talk radio host of all time, Bob Grant would host his soirees there, good old-fashioned talk radio there, Jim. Let me give you another update. There's all kinds of shortages this holiday season. We have worker shortages, product shortages, the latest of which is maple syrup from Canada. That's right. they got to turn off the pipeline. It's not the gas pipeline from Calgary and Edmonton and Alberta that has been turned off by President Joe Biden. It's the syrup pipeline. They don't have enough maple syrup. You know, a lot cabin. That's what I grew up with. Now they have all other kinds of uh, maple syrups, all different kind of varieties. I grew up with log cabin. That's it. They've turned off the pipe. There are Santa Claus shortages. Not enough guys or gals who want to dress up like Santa Claus and put a pillow right where their stomach is. Or for those who already have a Santa Claus-style stomach, you don't have to do that. Just put on the cloak. There are Christmas tree shortages, and this may be the most dangerous of all. The supply chain is now the supply chain is now in a crisis mode. There are liquor shortages, liquor shortages. So that means many of you who are dependent on bending your elbow and getting ginned up every day better start fermenting your own grain mash, barley, corn, rye, wheat. In order to get your own form of Jack Daniels or Jim Beam or Jameson's. 
Anyway, let's go to the phones. It's Vin, who's calling from Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Vinny. Hey, uh, Curtis, hello. I want to I say that uh, we should not try to make sense of anything. Everything is uh, no one sees the oneness between us. We should do what your wife does. Your wife gave a comment that was from a goddess within us. She said, that when people approach you guys on the street and then say, uh, is this your father to her and blah, blah, blah. She says she was in the moment. She says she's amused by it and she deals with it from the moment. That perspective wipes out the past and allows us to see who we are in the here and now. Your wife is a goddess like all women and we are gods, all men. We should see that in one another. Well, I will tell you this, uh, then you sound like you might be a five percenter. Those of you who grew up in the uh, era where A stood for Allah, B for born, C for circumference. You ever see Jay-Z, who I hate, I loathe, I despise? He rocks that pendant of the five percenters, which was a knockoff of the nation of Islam. And they refer to all men as gods and the women as earths. And the job of a man as a god was to um, fertilize the earths, impregnate the earths, of which they did. And the reason that as a fine percenter you could carry a gun is you were superior to other Euro-Asiatic black men and the white man who is a devil. So you needed a gun to 